0: Oh, and welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we invite you on a journey into the Crucible for a weekly or fortnightly celebration of all things Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of discovery. For our American listeners, a fortnight is two weeks. I'm your host, Zach Armstrong, somehow, and today I am joined not by Ed, he is far away on a wonderful holiday. in in Lord knows where. But today I am joined by fellow Archon and Archons of Atlanta team member, Logan Garais. Logan, welcome to Call of Discovery. Hey,
1: Zach. Excited to be here. Thank you.
0: Excellent. Well, we we are excited to have you, uh, because today we are diving into the topic of teams in Keyforge. Uh, what do teams look like? What are their goals, and we're going to really be able to talk a lot about the team that Logan is a part of Archons of Atlanta, which you have heard them name dropped a few times here on call of discovery uh, but first we're going to get to know uh Logan a little bit better so logan let's say let's say we ended up in the crucible tomorrow, completely ridiculous situation. A rift opens up somehow through our our podcast recording software. We get sucked in through the microphones. And the first thing they do is they they stick us on a chair and they put the Crucible Sorting Hat on us and the Sorting Hat's going to put us in one of the nine houses. Which of the nine houses of the Crucible does the Keyforge Sorting Hat put you into?
1: Oh, that that's easy. Definitely House Dis. Oh,
0: House Dis, yeah, huh? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, number one, aesthetically, love Dis, right? I, I just love mm. love the way they look, the color scheme, the the art, everything, right? But but number two, the real reason I would get sorted into House Dis. Um, the the control aspects, right? That's that's how I really like to play the game. I like to anticipate my opponent's actions and react to them, right? This does does such an excellent job of putting pressure on the opponent. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like the way I play and the way I like to play is uh, is how it is. Absolutely.
0: Aesthetically, I have to agree with you. They've had a wonderfully strong art direction with the a lot of dark purples and some other accent colors. But one of my favorite things is that. Uh, have you noticed there are actually like the it's like ribbons. There's kind of a ribbon effect on a lot of the larger demons.
1: Yeah, definitely. I've noticed that. Is is it Snudge?
0: Looks like he's got he's got some of that going on. I believe Snudge does. I think Shuler as well.
1: Yeah, I actually from from a very early on tournament since when Keyforge was released. I got a poster uh, of the Terror, which happened to be favorite art from Koda. Yes. I, yeah, I love the Terror. And it's such a cool card too. Kind of a breakthrough in Keyforge for me was when I realized, like, man, like you can go Charette into Terror. That's so good. Like, if mm-hmm. they're anywhere from zero to three amber, you're getting two amber. This is so amazing. There's so, there's combo <laughs> potential here, right? I know it seems it seems kind of silly now, but that you know that was kind of a breakthrough.
0: No, of course. And I think I think that's a part of the great part of Keyforge is that you keep discovering those combos. Sometimes. Because sometimes those combos are on cards that you might not choose to put in your deck if it was a constructed format, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But with Charette, maybe you wouldn't pick Charette otherwise, although it's it's a decently strong card. You know, Charette, the four power creature that captures three amber, but then you find that situation where you where you can capture that three amber or Drumble that captures seven uh, all of the amber if there's seven or more, and then you can play the Terror and get all that amber. and yeah, this really has a lot of that fun, flavorful stuff in it too. Like the terror also having the trait of knight.
1: Yeah, right. That who who would guess that, right? It it comes up in really weird situations. Like roundtable, I think, is the mm-hmm. artifact that cares about knights. Um, yes, it's just yeah. somehow randomly just works out to be a really good combo. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that is a beautiful thing with Keyforge. The combos that you did not anticipate at all that are in your decks.
0: The Terror and Heavy the Huge, I believe, being the two outside of Sanctum Knights, uh, which is which is fun. I th- and it, it has such mystery, too, like a, a knight in Dis. I think there's been some flavor text in a few places about um, the Terror having done some sort of cultural exchange program where Sanctum and Dis tried to understand each other, and of course, it went terribly. Yeah, deep. right. Exactly. Yeah. Not the most convenient thing to archive with an epic quest, but uh, <laughs> but hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how did you become involved with the team what was what was the start there for for you personally
1: yeah so um that that is an interesting story so i met most of the team uh at the atlanta vault tour when when the atlanta vault tour came around i i you know i was really into keyforge but i was kind of feeling down about the, the lack of community in the area right we didn't i didn't really have a lot of Good friends that played Key Forge. So I was kind of on the fence of whether or not I wanted to, to head to the vault tour. Um my the morning of my wife convinced me to go. She said, Hey, you're gonna you're gonna really regret missing this. You'd better go. So I'm you're like, Yeah, you're absolutely right. I better go. I headed down there and uh had a little trouble finding the place and I was a little bit late and I got in line and right behind me, um, this gentleman walks up, um, introduced himself. It was it was Cap. Um and we got to talking. Um, we were like one of the final people at the table. They had to jam us in there, uh, really tight, because there were just so many people and not enough seats. Um, so, Cav and I got to got to chatting uh, before the event. We opened our decks, talked together, um, and and then throughout the day, um, checked in with him a few times. Um, and you know, I did okay. I was going like. Three, two, and then I went into four, two. Right, I was whenever I check in with Cav, he'd go, oh, oh, he's like three, one. I'm like, wow, keep going, man, you're doing awesome. Four, one. He's going into his going into the uh, day two match. Uh, I was just astounded. This guy, I happened to randomly meet in line, um, ends up, um, as we all know, ends up uh, making it into day two and eventually winning the entire event. Right, so yeah, really exciting time. Uh, A local, an Atlanta local, right. Um, so that, that was really exciting. And then, um, afterwards we, uh, we went out to eat, hung out and just, um, talked about, Hey, like we met so many awesome people here in Atlanta, um, at the vault tour. Um, we really, we think there's a really good, a good group of strong players here. Um, and we really wanted to form something a little bit more serious, um, to kind of keep the community going. Um, So so that was really how I became involved with the team and ultimately how the team formed.
0: Wow, that's great. That's great. And I have to compliment you on your selection. of who you got dinner with afterwards. Now, the company was great, but I went I went to dinner with the Keychains podcast, who unfortunately are not producing anymore. So I think uh, I think uh, content and connection wise, your choice has lasted a little longer than mine.
1: Yeah, lucky choice, I suppose.
0: So today we're going to move towards our main topic, which of course is teams and Keyforge. We're going to talk a little bit about teams generally, but mostly we're going to try to dive into kind of Archons of Atlanta as looking at how they operate, asking Logan some questions about... Why the team exists, what they do, that sort of thing to kind of peek behind the curtain of teams a little bit today. If you haven't heard of Keyforge teams before, which is possible, there are some notable ones. Uh, you might be thinking, Zach, it's a one on one game unless you're, you know, Boulevard PaperFight, Who does three player Keyforge? What the heck do teams have to do with Keyforge? Well, the answer is a whole lot, which is why we've got Logan here today. So before we dive into some more Archons of Atlanta-specific things, which will show up a lot, we're going to lay the groundwork for those who may be unfamiliar with any Keyforge teams. So, Logan, what would you say are some goals that kind of all Keyforge teams have in common? Now, this is going to be pretty general, and there may be some differences here, but what are some goals you've seen among Keyforge
1: teams? Yeah, definitely very general. So so I think um, before we talk about that, we should maybe take a step back and say, what is a team? Why do we form teams? What separates a team from other organizations like like a club or, or like a group of friends, right? Yeah. I think to, to form a club, I think all it takes is a shared interest, right? A group of people that are coming together. We love Keyforge. We want to make a Keyforge club, right? Or we get together and play Keyforge. Beyond that, I think a team, a team should obviously have that shared interest, just like a club. Um, but more than that, a team should have a, what I think that should have is a shared culture and shared goals, in addition to that shared interest, right? And we've kind of talked about this a lot within our team as well. So, so what I mean by culture, um, I, I think it can can and, and really should be uh, multifaceted. So, uh, things like how you conduct yourself, um, it can be mm. it can be a common geographical location, like it is for us in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Um, It can even just be as simple as a a common mindset with regards to the game, like how we like to think about the game, how we like to play the game. And then and then like you asked, uh, of course, goals. It's I think a team has got to have goals. Right. Very general um, individual to the team. Uh, I think goals keep the team aligned and give working direction to team members. So team members know, hey, these these actions I'm taking are helping to further the goals of the team. Right. I want to want to keep. Uh, my actions in line with the rest of my teammates when I'm representing the team. Yeah. So, so as far as types of goals, you can kind of categorize most things as far as I'm concerned into two types. Um, it's either competitive or like a community building, right? As far as KeyForge goes, you can look at it from a comp- competitive standpoint or from a community building standpoint. And I think most teams definitely do both. Uh, we certainly do. So yeah, it's it's where you want to put put your your focus, right? Mo- and and all teams are, are focused on either of them. Uh, so another another goal, common goal within a team, I think, is to show that your team has good ideas, uh, and that and that you want to execute your ideas, and, and and through that, give credit to all your team members, right? Say, we we are an organization. We get together. We discuss KeyForge, and we know what we're talking about. We we can. We can demonstrate our skills in public representing our team.
0: Yeah, certainly, certainly. And I think that's a, a great point to focus on the you know, to the credit of of all the team members. You know, when when one team member does something impressive, whether, you know, winning a tournament or or, you know, showing off a new way to use a deck archetype or um, just contributing to Keyforge knowledge, I'm thinking of uh, you know, Cav, who's been writing some some very Interesting mathematical articles for Alex Slotnick's blog, uh, Proclamation 346, mm-hmm. which certainly, you know, raises the profile of of the team when we get to see this wonderful, super interesting content coming out of the team through CAV.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's actually really, really convenient for people like me who have less results than the rest of my team, right? <laughs> that, that they point to me and say, hey, Logan helped. <laughs> right. So that, that's always convenient for us.
0: That 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 is convenient. Uh, And don't worry, Logan, if competitive success eludes you, there is always a starting a podcast with a British man in your future. (laughs) Uh, I think uh, I think we may have a pattern of of bringing on people who have a. Great accomplishments, but I know Ed and I love connecting with with people and just about the game because like you said, uh, you know the most memorable experiences are often the people. Uh, I know we we certainly enjoy the the taste of victory, but um, yeah, getting to know people and uh, I guess that's why we you know, have a podcast uh, where we get to interview all of you, which is lovely mm-hmm. which is lovely.
1: yeah, definitely so, so as far as goals, then if I can speak a little bit more on goals, of course, um, I think when you're forming your team, I think it's really beneficial to sit down and, and actually have that discussion with your team. Um, you sort of create a team charter for, for how you want to conduct yourself, what your goals should be. Uh, and I know uh, us in, in, in the Archons of Atlanta, um, we had this general idea that uh, how we wanted to function, what our goals were. Uh, but I think just sitting down and really explicitly stating those goals helped us a lot, sort of, uh, orient us toward those goals.
0: Yeah, that's very important. We hear at uh call of discovery. We have a document that ended up written down when when I came on board with Ed that's kind of six pillars of of who we are as a podcast and I I agree completely that it's great to have those written down to talk to your team about, you know, what are those things we're invested in, you know, we want to be competitive, uh, but there's also some aspects of looking outward for the team as well, you know, how do we present ourselves to the community? uh, both in how are we viewed and also how can we, you know, give back to the community, community, which, uh, you know, takes a lot of building and getting to, um, you all certainly have a lot of success and have some just great minds coming out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's all very, that's all very exciting. And so we've gotten to hear about, you know, how you all were formed just after the Atlanta vault tour. So how long did it take for you all to just start talking about what your goals were to kind of coalesce into to, uh, a kind of more formal a more formal organization with goals
1: longer than you would think like i said it took us a while to sit down and really explicitly discuss goals but i suppose before that i think the the main idea was just to build a community here in atlanta um so that was not something we really discussed but when we got together that's something the reason we formed was to to form the, the community here in atlanta so um our, our main goal was the reason that we got together in the first place, I suppose.
0: So uh, what does that culture of Archons of Atlanta look like? How do you all relate to each other? And what are the what are the kind of principles that you all have agreed on about how to act as members of the team and collaborate together?
1: Yeah, definitely. So uh, like I was saying before, we see both the community and the competitive aspects of the game as our priorities. Um it's actually interesting. We see building a community helps to build that competitive scene, and vice versa. So, um, as as we help develop more and more players, they become competitive. They challenge us. They they start to make us think differently about the game, right? And as we start to become more competitive, we start to attract more people who want to come and play with us. They say, "Hey, these guys are pretty serious about KeyForge. I want to go play KeyForge with them." Right? That's that's really what we try to do. Is is we try to increase our circle, and then through that we we try to improve our our skills within key Forge. um and that 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 is one of our main goals is to improve more as players um and show winning as as a demonstration of that right it, it, we would love to win every big tournament out there, right everything we go to um but you know that's that's really not necessarily the goal we want to we want to improve right so if 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 we consistently put people, say, in the top 16, right, I'd rather have three players in the top 16 or, or, or a couple in the top eight, maybe put somebody in the finals rather than have a breakaway victory and have somebody win the vault tour, right? We just want sure. to, to consistently demonstrate that we've got good ideas. And another thing that we've talked about is, is this is a new game, right? So there's a lot of opportunity to help define the strategy in the way people look at this game right now. Nobody really has a good idea of what the strategies should look like at this point and and we really want to be a part of that. Um, we want to help to explore off meta strategies um, that that people often overlook. Um, we want to help break down the game in ways that others really really don't things that are kind of overlooked we want to we want to help to develop those sort of strategies
0: that's great. I think what you said about having both the competitive and community focus for a team is really important because, of course, as a team, yeah, you want to compete. You want to understand the game really in the interest of enjoying the game and enjoying being good at the game. And uh, you all were generous enough left to just provide me with the, the list of members and the resume, and it shows that you all you all definitely have that so far. Uh, Trevor May won the Gen Con Vault Tour. The aforementioned Cav, of course, won the Atlanta Vault Tour. Alex Carroll was second place at Richmond, the keen-eared listener. Uh, we'll realize that the deck on the previous episode of call of discovery is the one that gave him the second place finish. (laughs) That's right. Both uh, Alex and yourself have taken down some prime championships along with uh, quite a few other good placements among the members of the team. So I've just got to say congrats to your team on having just a a really great record as far as teams go in KeyForge.
1: Yeah. It's, it's something we're definitely proud of. Like I said, just to, to, to take us all and, and, put us in, in finals in in top eights, top 16s, whatever it may be. That's something we're, we're really proud of. Um, just to, to, Mm -hmm. to say, Hey, we're, we're putting in the work and we're, we are showing results.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I really like what you said. It really resonates with our philosophy over here at call discovery that you would rather have three people, you know, in a top eight than one person win and nobody else place.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, for for experienced card game players, you're kind of aware that to win a tournament, you gotta have a lot of things go right for you, right? You can't. It, it's mm-hmm. not all on you to win a card game tournament where where there's as much variability as there is in Keyforge, right? You gotta have mm-hmm. some things go right for you, and you gotta have the skill to back it up, right? To make it in, to make it into day two, y- you can probably do that on skill alone. Now, I'm not saying you don't you, that you don't need anything to go right for you, but you can do a lot with skill alone. So so again, I think that's a good demonstration of how we um we know what we're doing. We we have the ability to play keyforge pretty well.
0: Yeah. No, I I agree. And uh, for listeners who might not have been to a large keyforge or card tournament before, the way it's often played is there will be uh everybody will play on the first day, play a large uh, number of matches, 4 to 6 or so depending on the card game, and then the second day they will take all the top people, either 16 or 32 or whatever appropriate number, and then there will be an elimination bracket like you're used to in a lot of tournaments. And so that's what we're talking about with with placing there. And I uh, really like that you all mentioned the community-facing aspect, especially because of of what you said about how young this game is, and especially how young our understanding of the game is. You know, we were talking about, you and I, how there was that triad tournament we both got to attend, and how much our understanding of even just the decks we brought to that tournament have evolved. I uh, One deck I brought to that tournament, the Rainy of Bombagom is a particularly nasty deck. However, she's gotten so much weaker against Worlds Collide because that deck has no board control except for, I think three or four Sanctum creatures. And so she really struggles against Worlds Collide and, I just uh it's it's just beautiful how much everything changes.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think when Worlds Collide came along, it totally shifted how we look at Archon. And I love that. Because when, when AOA came along it, it, it made a little few waves, right? But but nothing big. Worlds Collide and came and flipped it on its head, you know, right? It changed it entirely.
0: Mm-hmm and i think focusing on the strategy is a, another way to help out the community as a as a team whether you're making content or just engaging with the community as members of your team saying hey here's here's what we see in strategy here's why uh here's why worlds collide in this way is is really strong here's why this archetype you know, these kinds of cards from previous sets are actually going to be really great to bring against, you know, the meta right now, because that's not only raising the profile of your team because it's showing you all understand the game. Uh, that's also helping the community and just we all get to enjoy learning this game on a, on a deeper level together.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's something that we we find really exciting is being able to look at a meta and saying, how do we attack this? Um, Where what What angles do we fight from? Um, Somewhere that they don't see us coming from that we can really take advantage of what they're doing.
0: I remember going to a store championship where a lot of us got to attend and Alex brought a World's Collide deck. Oh, he couldn't have had more than three reps with it, even if it might have been one or two reps with that World's Collide deck. Yeah, I took down that store championship. Is that right?
1: That's absolutely right. I think it was the weekend after it released. He's like, I'll give this one a shot. It seems pretty cool. Uh, it was it was a, a deck with ghost form in it, if I recall correctly, and he could mm. do some nasty things with that ghost form. Um, yes, yeah, uh, ghost
0: form being the, the the upgrade that says, this creature gains invulnerable, which means they can't uh, dis- be destroyed or take damage. Then it's got this creature gains fight, reap, archive ghost form.
1: Yeah, and that, that particular deck had enough uh, warding actions to put a ward on a ghost form creature. So unless you had two cards that returned the creature to its opponent's hand, it was saying out there no matter what kind of a, and also kind of a loophole with ghost form. He would stick it on his candle unit and use the action just to capture one over and over. Right. That's right. <laughs> right. So it wouldn't archive the ghost form. It was kind of an interesting loophole that I, I don't even know that Alex was aware of until he started playing it.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. So I, I bring that up as a, as a credit to Alex and the team at large for you know, having members who can see those lines of play and then take a deck that they don't know. But, you know, Alex was able to advance his understanding of how Worlds Collide was working faster than his opponents.
1: Yeah, that that finals was actually very, very interesting. I remember a particular game that Alex played uh, where where he only alternated between two houses. He actually chose to archive all of his untamed cards and would just alternate between Logos and Star lines. So uh, I'd never seen anybody do that before. It's just something... With something we talked about, but alex Alex did it right and, and demonstrated yeah again he's he's thinking on another level he's he's a really smart guy, and he he can see stuff like
0: that so we've gotten to talk about how the archons of Atlanta were formed, how you all operate, a couple of the wonderful things your members get to do uh, but logan what uh, what can you tell us about the future of the Archons of Atlanta? What should our listeners? Keep their ear to the ground for. Uh,
1: so, I think something that we want to continue to do more of is content creation. I think there is a space open for that right now in the KeyForge community. Uh, we see we see TTR on Twitch uh, three nights a week doing an excellent job. Uh, I think they're they're the forerunners in that space, but but I think we want to break into a little bit with um, streaming, uh, some YouTube videos, um, those those in the Magic the Gathering community. Are probably aware of of uh, uh, video producers like Channel Fireball. We see that format. It would be really beneficial in KeyForge, just to sit down with a deck, talk about what this deck does, uh, what what you think the strengths and the weaknesses are of the deck, play a few games on TCO, and then kind of recoup and, and talk about um, if if your if your hypotheses were confirmed or if you had to throw them out and and change how you thought about the deck. So that's something we want to do more of. Um, we definitely want to have some more attendance at big events uh, and continue to produce results at the events like we talked about before um, and and again, uh, develop the community here in Atlanta unfortunately, Atlanta is pretty widespread and the community is sort of fractured so uh, we want to continue to organize the community and, and keep events running. Um, you know we would like to see more and more events with eight plus players, you know, multiple times a week.
0: Yes. Being able to build a community where you have that many people playing on a regular basis is such a a wonderful goal. And like you said before, it helps the community when a a team focuses together on building that up. And then of course helps the team too. You'll get to find better and better opponents, people to join your ranks and just get to play the game more in person, which is, which is just great. I'm really excited to see what you all uh, continue to come out with and, uh, in that space, that'll be great, and then hopefully more Atlanteans will see it, and we'll get we'll get higher numbers out out in Atlanta. For yeah,
1: year. definitely. Uh, and, and as far as the videos go, I I think like talking through lines of play is is, is so helpful for new players too. I know when I was learning uh, Magic the Gathering, I, I I would watch videos on people talking through their decisions. You know, I I can take this line of play, or I can take this line, right? What are the what are the benefits to this one? What are the benefits to this one, right? Just discussing that and it will help players get onboarded so quickly and I think that'll be really helpful.
0: It it really would. And I'd have to say there is a I won't name the figure, but it's it's probably a three digit figure of the money I would pay to just have Alex Carroll talk through every line of play <laughs> as he's playing. Uh, especially if he was a, up against like Nathan, our previous guest from Tabletop Royale, or or someone on that level, it would be it would be enlightening, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. The the Richmond Vault Tour finals were extremely exciting.
0: Go back and watch those. It was uh, Age of Ascension sealed, and both decks ended up having a copy of Martian Generosity, I believe. <laughs> That's right. The card that says "Lose all your amber, draw two cards for each amber you lost this way," which has ended up being. One of the most highly powered cards in in Age of Ascension.
1: It was really interesting to see how their strategies would would change based on where Martian Generosity was in their deck, right? They could really play around Martian Generosity.
0: Yeah, that's that's very impressive, Logan. Thank you so much for joining us today, both to share your personal experiences as a Keyforge community member and talking about the Archons of Atlanta. Uh, you all have such a great resume as a team especially competitively right now and we can't wait to see what you all do especially from a community and and content angle really excited to see what comes out of that going forward and uh, i believe we've got a, a few shout outs uh, from you and the team here yeah
1: yeah of course so obviously my teammates uh who, who aren't here to discuss the team with me so it's trevor freddie alex and cav um if if anybody ever wants to come have a conversation with us um we'd love to have you on our discord group. That's where we have most of our discussions. So that's the Keyforge for And I'll share that link with you, Zach,
0: of course, that'll be in the show notes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then anyone in the Atlanta area, if you want to come play with us, um, we play at at weekly games, uh, reformation brewery. Uh, Josh weekly puts on a great event always. So shout out to Josh for his awesome events. Uh, We play at winning in games in, in midtown, on Sundays at 2.30, and um you know, Madness occasionally in Flowery Branch.
0: Keep an eye out for the Archons of Atlanta. I think you're going to be seeing those crisp red and black journeys at a lot more top tables. So if you're enjoying Call of Discovery and are willing and able to support us monetarily, our Patreon is linked below, where you can put your own weird and wonderful deck in the spotlight and have a say in the future of the podcast through our Patreon-only Discord available at any level there. Also, just let us know what you'd like to see more of or less of in future shows. You can do that by sending us an email at discoverkeyforge at gmail.com. And importantly, please subscribe and leave a review on whatever your regular podcast app is. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter as Call of Discovery on each one. And the most important thing, of course, is if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please help them to discover it. Have you answered the Call of Discovery?